The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to the 60th episode of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I am joined as always by my co-host on the left coast, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, you got fire Emmy takes or should we go right to the Atlantic Division? Well, I know I think people are liking the deep dive into previews, um, team by team, division by division. We went an hour and a half last week. Hopefully, we don't match that. But I think the audience is responding because I just saw we are. Did you know this, Tyler? Top twenty sports show in Albania. It's pretty good. What are we in? Uh, what are we in Kazakhstan? Do we have numbers on that? And we're 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 in Al- we're we're pivoting. We're going to become an all Albanian podcast, and that's why I wanted my first question to use this. Is Gertie Shima the best Albanian player of all time? Which <laughs> I have is no idea. Number one, or is it a debate? Did he, is, does Albania have any NBA players ever? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. There's, I did some research because we have our beloved Albanian fans. There are some who are like naturalized Albanian citizens, like Mike Moser. Remember him? Okay. Yeah. He now has an Albanian passport. Um, but still, give me Gertie Shima. I'm sorry. I'm sticking <laughs> with it. <laughs> All right, we are doing the Atlantic Division today. Albania, you never know how you're going to start on the show because we, we talk about a lot of other things before we actually get on the air, like uh, whether or not Daniel Jones is the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. But we don't, just so you guys know, we don't, we don't think he is. We think Bruce Arians is the worst coach in the NFL. Daniel Jones somewhere in the middle on quarterbacks. But Atlantic Division uh, this week, Zandrick, a very interesting division in the sense that I think people think it's very good. I... Uh, my fire take on this, like my overarching take is like, I think this division is pretty overrated, but I think the East is so bad that I think they're going to get four playoff teams. And we'll kind of talk about that. Maybe three. We, we'll, we'll talk about that. But well, who, are, who are the teams? Because not everyone remembers. Right. So we're going to do it in this order. We will do the Knicks, the Nets, the Raptors, last year's NBA champion, the Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers. As always, we will provide their record from last year, their over-under on Bovada Sportsbook, and then we will do best-case scenario, worst-case scenario, lineups, and league pass rating. So I think we want to start with the Knicks, right? And I think there's like some chance, Zan, that this is like the second most interesting team in this division because it's just – it's a really weird team. So – I mean, before we get into their numbers, like, I just, I just feel like this Knicks team is, this is like you, you do like a fantasy draft or something in NBA 2K and it's on like auto and you draft RJ Barrett <laughs> because like he's, you're, you know, the future, you're going to play 20 seasons and then you let the sim and all of a sudden you get these players and you're like, hmm, we, we might be okay, right? This is a weird, weird team. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, it's like we kind of talked about it with the the Pelicans. Like, it feels like they're two teams like jammed together. There's like the young, rebuilding, promising Pelicans team, and then the pretty good veteran team. And there's like two of them that are just smushed together without much in between. Like the Knicks feel like that, except they're just like the worst 
worst version on both fronts. Like the prospects aren't as good and the veterans aren't as good. Yeah. That's actually a really good, uh, that's a really, really good. Well, so, so they, so they kind of had this like young team going with like, All right, let's, Smith, you, Oh, you want to go through, go through the, yeah, line. real quick. Sorry. So that was my fault. I, I went out of order. All right. So 17 and 65 last year, obviously the worst record in the NBA. Their over under on Bovada is 28, which is a 12 game improvement and like definitely not out of the realm of possibility, but Obviously, they drafted R.J. Barrett. We talked about this. They're my crack at their starting lineup. Like, I have, I have no idea. But I put, like, Dennis Smith, Wayne Ellington, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and then, like, maybe Mitchell Robinson. And then they have a, this whole other, like, conglomeration of players that are, just don't make any sense, right? So, Wayne Ellington in, Julius Randle in. They added Alfred Payton. They still have Alonzo Trier. Still have Kevin Knox. Drafted Iggy Bredstakis, who we both really like. Marcus Morris is there. Taj Gibson is there. Bobby Portis is there. Reggie Bullock is there. This team is, is exactly what you said. It's like two teams, just like the Pelicans. They have their young guys, five or so players that people might be excited about. And then they have their old guys that are like all other than Julius Randle, like good enough to be like the seventh or eighth man on a decent team, I guess. What do they do with these? Like where, what are they doing with like Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, Marcus Morris? Yeah. <laughs> It, I liked your analogy of like an auto draft because it's not a lot of rhyme or reason. Like the joke about them has been like they're all power forwards. And and I guess it doesn't matter as much in modern NBA, but it's probably true. You would call Mark, I would call Marcus Morris more of a power forward than a small forward. Knox, I think the same. And then Randall, he played a lot of center, but he, you would consider him like traditionally a power forward. Tyve Gibson, same. And, and Bobby Portis, the same. Like those guys who can play center, of course, and they probably will. But um it's not a lot of versatility in this lineup. It's just a lot of like, which bigs are you going to play? And it's so odd because this is a group that, that they have like four guys that they just like absolutely need to play as many minutes as possible. Right. And in Dennis Smith, Jr. RJ, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, I guess also Brett Stakis, Frank Natilakina is still there. They need to play him. And then probably Alonzo Trier. So that's like seven guys that like, if you look at that as your kind of like future, if you believe in RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson is pretty good, like those guys need to play a lot and you need to see what you traded, you know, Chris Depp's Porzingis for. So you got to look at Dennis Smith and, you know, I don't think either one of us really believe in Dennis Smith, but he's an interesting little prospect, but like what, what is this team doing? Because those guys are not going to get as many minutes as they want. And then they also managed to get a group of veterans who all like want the ball in their hand. <laughs> well, not more than that. Like, and I think that certainly applies to Julius Randall and Bobby Portis, who are just like offensive minded, you know, power forwards centers. And, and they're both kind of like a little underrated, I think offensively and, and liabilities on defense, especially Randall. I mean, it's just not even his fault. I think it's just like, he's just sort of limited. I mean, he's just like a power big who's like a little short armed and he can't really guard on the perimeter and he's not long enough to guard inside. And defensively he rated as the 68th best center among 70. So like kind of negated his offensive impact. So like, are these veterans winning players? Bobby Portis had a similar think negative my uh one and a half you know 85th best power forward on defense according to espn plus minus so those guys are big names and they're getting a big salary like are they actually winning you more than an extra two or three games the only two additions that they have that i like 
uh, of the, I, I guess like uh, Wayne Ellington is, uh, we'll get to him in a second, but like, I think Wayne Ellington is a good player on a playoff team. Yeah. I like, I like Julius Randle. Like, I think there is a, a place in the NBA for Julius Randle. I think he's the type of guy, you know, I kind of like him. He's not as good, obviously, but I kind of like him in like the pseudo Blake Griffin role on offense. Cause like he can handle the ball, like he can pass it, but I think he's a small ball five. Bobby Portis, I think is a totally useless NBA player. Like he's going to average like 18 and 10 and people are going to be like, Bobby Portis is really good. He's another like Jabari Parker type that like you have to give him the ball. He'll put up numbers. His team will never win. He'll be terrible on offense or on defense, excuse me. And then like, he's like, people like him. He works really hard. One of his teammates punched him in the face. I don't know if those things are related, but it's just like they, they grab these guys like Marcus Morris, like good player on the playoff team. But like, what does he do on the Knicks? And I, I, that's why I like for their best case scenario. I don't know what to write because the Knicks very clearly want to win games and it's very counterintuitive to their core of guys that they should kind of be investing in. And hopefully in two years when all these other contracts other than Randall come off the books, they get a shot at that free agency again to build around RJ Barrett. But this group of players they've assembled is going to hinder like RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. So like, what are they trying to do? Are they, are they trying to get the seven seed? Do you, is, is that what we think their best case scenario is to try to make the playoffs this year? It's very bizarre. Like, and I would love to be like behind the scenes. Like, what's the explanation? What's the thought process? Because obviously, like, sometimes as fans, we think of team building as like fantasy. Like, hey, you know, let's get LeBron James and four shooters around him, three and D guys. Well, we're good to go. Like, it's hard to do that. Like, practically speaking, you know, you can't sign everyone you want to sign, and and you end up, you know. Um, with like the the fourth option that you wanted, but even with that, there needs to be some sort of logic to it. And I think like, do they not believe in RJ Barrett? They took him high, third pick. He was sort of the obvious pick there. Do they not believe in him as like a franchise talent? Because if they did, you would surround him with shooting. Because right now he's a below average shooter who can attack the rim. Like I wouldn't put him on the court with a bunch of like average shooting um roster it just doesn't make sense to bring out his talent and do they not believe in kevin knox because you know i know he he played really badly last year advanced stats wise but then you add a bunch of power forwards around him and guys like marcus morris and taj gibson like they're gonna want to play and you know julius randall and bobby Porter are gonna want to score and play and and put up numbers so like where does that leave kevin knox so is it like a do they just not trust their young core or do they are they just worried about their own job security and they think they have to win 35 40 games. Yeah, and that's the part where we talk about ownership all the time. Like we don't know what James Dolan told Scott Perry like I, I don't know, but my gut feel is that like I just think this season's going to go poorly for them and I think they're going to have to pivot in the middle of the year and I I did say during free agency like I didn't mind these deals cuz they're you know they come off the books and two most of them are, are team options for the second year or team options for the third year or whatever. They had to spend money. They had a ton of cap space. They obviously didn't get Durant or whatever. But, but did they, did they have to spend a lot of money? I mean, well, that's, you, I mean, you got to get to the salary floor. So like you need, I mean, they, they got to feel the roster. Did they have to spend on this group of players? Absolutely not. You're hundred percent right about that. But like, maybe they think playing meaningful games is important for guys like RJ and Kevin Knox and Iggy. You know, maybe those – I don't know if we're supposed to call him Iggy, right? He can't be Iggy with Andre Iguodala still in the league. Do we have a nickname for Iggy B? I, I don't think he's going to play as much as we'd want him to play. But um, but they need shooting so bad. Who else is going to make shots? I mean, they have Bullock and they have Wayne Ellington. And, and Bullock has a health issue that he might not um, 
Ellington is, Mar- is Marcus Morris the second best, the third best shooter on this roster. It's a bunch of, of average shooters. Randall shot pretty well last year, but he traditionally doesn't. Taj Gibson actually is a, is efficient still. Like I looked at his true shooting, it's still pretty good, but he doesn't shoot threes at all. Um, so he's he's just like a mid range like superstar. Uh, I don't know, I, and I think it's one of those things too where you you mentioned Wade Ellington. He's almost like I don't know if this I don't want to steal your bold prediction, but. Wade Ellington would be a very nice fit for some playoff teams. That's that's like very obviously one of my predictions. Like there, <laughs> there's too many there's too many veterans for this team that are not going to get to play and can be useful on good teams for them to end the season on. Like Re- Ellington, Reggie Bullock, everybody's looking for shooting. Like even a you know Taj Gibson can obviously really help you. Marcus Morris can help you. Even like Alfred Payton, if you need a third point guard who can also defend, like. It makes too much sense in the middle of the year for the Knicks not to be like, look, we're coasting to 31 wins. We need to absorb cap space. We need some assets for 2022. Like, there's just no way all these guys end up on the team. And Wayne Ellington and, and Bullock are the two that I circled because obviously teams just always are looking for shooting. Yeah. And, and my prediction for this team, too, is that like Randall, I like him in the sense, I, I like your sort of. What do you call him? Bootleg Blake Griffin. Yeah, bootleg Blake, Blake Griffin. That's good. That's a good nickname. And sure, we talked to you know we talk about that with Blake Griffin a lot and Zion a lot that they're better passers and ball handlers than you think. And Randall's like a worse version of that, and he is a better passer and ball handler than than you think. And he he could average raw stats like twenty ten and five. Like it's not shocking. I just I I don't think it's going to translate to like winning games. I think he's going to like put up numbers and sort of become like the face of this team so to speak but they're gonna lose you know 50 plus game yeah i actually there's part of me that really wants to say that like this is gonna work out and i and and in looking at it before i think before i actually like dove into the roster i was like you know what like the bottom of the east is not very good like they're gonna get wins against teams they're better than and then like you know competing against like detroit and orlando with a bunch of like tough-minded guys who like want to score and play hard which they do have like your your randall marcus morris taj gibson bobby portis is those guys play really hard. That's that's the one thing to say about this team is like they're going to go out and they're going to try to win. They're going to try to be competitive. They've assembled a group of very like chippy guys. But like I just can't help like looking at their worst case scenario and it's like RJ really struggles. Obviously the media beats him down. Kevin Knox has another bad year. Dennis Smith Jr. is just not necessarily a pure point guard. And then you have all these other guys that like need the ball and want shots. And like how does it work out? So I have it like 25-75 that this just goes really south and that like they just win 25 games again and then everyone gets shipped out. And then that leads me to my other bold prediction, which is that like David Fisdale gets fired. Cause I just don't think he's the guy to turn this around. And I don't think they think he is either, by the way. I agree with you. That was going to be my bold prediction as well. And I think that kind of through that lens, you understand why they tried to sign as good of players as they could, because they're like, Hey, we're worried about our job security GM and coach. And, you know, scars of the past, David Fisdale, remember, he had a pretty good first year in Memphis. They went to the playoffs with a kind of a mediocre roster, and then he got fired 20 games into his second year. And it was kind of shocking at the time. And then he's entering year two now with the Knicks, not going as well as he did in Memphis. And, you know, when Dave Yeager got fired from Memphis, I'm like, oh, they're they're idiots. You know, something. What do they know? And then he gets fired by Sacramento, and, and then you start to think maybe there's something wrong with the guy too. Like maybe he's just behind the scenes. And, and so with Fisdale, I worry the same. Like I don't think he's going to survive a 25 win year. So, 
and, and the physio stuff, like I, I happen to know like a little bit about that, like not to reveal any sources or whatever, but I do know that there was behind the scenes stuff with Fisdale and management and some players where they were just kind of like, this isn't, this isn't the guy, you know, it's how's that for data the year before and everyone loves it. But then when you're not winning, you know, personalities clash and you're just not going to win out. And James Dolan, we know, like, I just think Scott Perry is actually not bad at his job. Just, just so we're clear. Like, I think he got dealt a situation that's like, holy crap, like I need to be able to turn this around and it's going to be very difficult. And that's why I think he did a lot of these little kind of like bridge deals, if you will, to get another bite at the apple, like if he is still there. So I think what he's going to need to do in the middle of the year is just be like, hey, we're in full on rebuilding mode. Like we want to get some young assets. Like we want to put some guys around RJ that can shoot. Cause like right now they just don't have that. And I, I do think they are high on RJ. We kind of talked about that before. I think they are very high on RJ and I think they should be, you know, I, I really do because I think he's going to be a young guy who I, I don't think he's Andrew Wiggins. We've talked about that. I think he's better than that, but no, he's very I, I young. Like him. And, and he could be inefficient out of the gates. I, I mean, that's going to be a guarantee, right? Like I didn't, I didn't say anything about like their rookies making like any rookie team or anything. Cause like, I think RJ is just going to, put up a ton of stuff like he could be Michael Carter Williams again where like he just puts up a ton of stats and you realize that they just mean absolutely nothing but it looks like he's playing really well not only do I think Fisdale will get fired at the end of the year and I agree with you like their front office isn't as bad as as people think I mean you know they have a decent track record um prior to this but I think they all should get fired and and I'll tell you why like it's like the Miami Dolphins this year like they're rebuilding great it makes sense. Tank, you know, kick the can down the road five years. But if I'm Brian Flores in Miami, I'm like, am I going to be around in four years? And so like, that's the risk. And with the Knicks, I feel like they're trying to kick the can down the road again. And it's hard to do that twice. Like they've lost 50 games five years in a row. And with the promise that, Hey, we're going to sign these superstars in free agency. Oh, it didn't work. Oh, we'll be bad and then we'll sign superstars and free agents. You can't sell me on the same plan twice if it didn't work. And so, and that is why, like I said, I, I feel like Perry's going to start to sell and be like, Hey, we're just going to build around these young guys. And then hopefully people look at RJ in two years and they're like, Hey, this is a good player. Like let's come play with him in New York. I think right. that's his path to keeping his job. Unfortunately for David Fisdale, I think his path is like he wins 40 games with this like weird group of guys. And they're like, Hey, everyone's going to get better. Like, it'll be great. I just don't see it. They have no, there is no player on this team, Zan, that I am comfortable telling you, I think is a starter on a playoff team. None, none of them. And I, I do think Randall and Marcus Morris are very good NBA players. I really do. Well, and also like maybe, maybe it's the psychology of, we thought we could land superstars in free agency based on the idea that we're the Knicks and we're in New York. And then they see the stars sign with Brooklyn because partly they're a better team. They're like, you know, a playoff team so they think maybe we need to be a playoff team too so then stars will push us over the top but the problem is the nets were really well coached and their roster kind of fit together well it wasn't just like a log jam of like you know c plus players so like is Giannis dying to go play with bobby portis no it's not, that's the that's the thing like and and it's it's like a situation where the nets drafted decently well you know they, they drafted Karis lavert they, they drafted jared allen they certainly had their misses but then they also also took advantage of some other like the lakers were a dumpster fire and they trade for d'angelo russell and it's like hey we're gonna take a chance on that they also they plucked spencer dinwiddie like off the scrap heap and put him in a situation to succeed you know they they, they signed joe they i they signed joe harris from cleveland like for nothing you know and, and those guys end up being decent players and like i think the knicks want to do that but they have yet to figure out the right way to do it you know they're they're betting on julius randall that's the guy they're betting on 
the Nets had a long-term plan. They used their cap space in the way that I would recommend is taking on bad contracts, getting extra assets. The, the Knicks are kind of per- behaving like a wounded animal who's like desperate for survival and they're lashing out and making wild, erratic moves. Um, that's, a, that's a very good uh, analogy. A bit dark, but it's a, it's a good analogy. <laughs> um, and and it might become, they might get rabies soon because I, I think if you talk about league pass rating, I would give it like a C, but like the behind the scenes league pass rating, I would give an A because I want to see it. You know, Fizdale try to tell Marcus Morris, hey, you're only playing 10 minutes tonight. Here's, here's exactly what I wrote for that. B minus just for the moments. Because you're, I mean, you're exactly right. Like, there's nothing, there's going to be so much hero ball. Like, I want to see RJ. I want to see Iggy B. I do think Alonzo Trier is an interesting guy to watch. Like, Mitchell Robinson, who we really haven't talked about, is a very good prospect. Whether or not he gets there, surrounded by this group of like chippy guys, I will say. I don't want to say knuckleheads. Like, Mitchell Robinson has some knucklehead in him that we know of. So, like, it's a weird conglomeration. I, I do want to ask one thing. How good is this group of young guys? That's another question. No, it's it's a below average group of young prospects. I like RJ Barrett um, more than most. Grade, grade this group. We obviously do like, I think we both like the Pelicans better, but like right. RJ, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, as you're like kind of three, I guess, Dennis Smith, Iggy B, like those five. Can can that be the core of a good team in the future? No, that that's why like fan bases tend to overrate their young players because they think, hey, we're young, therefore we must have a bright future. Um and that's true to a point. Like there's certain core young cores that like Oklahoma City, you know, is the best example when they had Kevin Durant and Westbrook, but like that's a core if they grow up and develop together, they could win multiple titles. Most young cores are the kind of core that get better and better and better and end up winning 45 games and peaking there. And I think that's more of this core. Yeah, I, uh, I it's really contingent on RJ Barrett being a star because, well, I do think Mitchell Robinson is very good. I mean, who is Mitchell Robinson at his best? Like, if is he Rudy Gobert? That that seems like a real stretch, honestly. Right now, at least for a guy that young, maybe he is, but. Rudy was also in a good situation and he was given kind of like two or three years to kind of figure it out. And he was put around, you know, very good coaches. And I, I just, I don't know, like, is that his ceiling or is he Andre Drummond? Cause we don't know if Andre Drummond's the best player on a 51 team. I don't well, think let's move on. We've done too much on the Knicks, too much, too little on Albania. We got to talk about, there's four other teams here. Okay. Brooklyn Nets 42 and 40 last year. They're over under on Bovada is 44 and a half, which to me seems like right on the money. I, I think this is a 45-ish win team. I, I, let's talk about it. All right, Kyrie in, KD in. He's obviously not playing this year. Uh, rest of their starting lineup, Kyrie, Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, I believe Torian Prince, Wilson Chandler's going to serve a 25-game suspension for uh, failing a drug test for however many times he's done it. So I thought he would be their foreman, but uh, he's not going to start the season as such. And then Jared Allen, I'm guessing, will be their five men. And then contributor Spencer Dinwiddie will play a ton. Garrett Temple is in. They did re-sign Theo Pinson, your guy. Uh, my guy, Kyrix, Rodion's Curitz. We don't know what's happening with him. A little domestic violence allegation. <laughs> That's your guy? You're just against him. Are you going on record saying you support Curitz? I like the guy. I don't know what he's going to do. You uh, like him off the court, though, right? That's what you're saying? You don't no, like him? No, I'm not saying that. Don't do that. Uh, DeAndre Jordan in, and then the, the kid Musa, who they really like, is like a two-guard. Uh, I think he's from Croatia. 
is probably also there. This is a super interesting team. Their roster with Kevin Durant would look amazing. I think they'd be title favorites if he was at full strength because the four spot is the one spot I think they're weak. But I, I think the Nets, like, it's hard. There's a lot to like here. They're, they're probably not good enough to win the title this year, but I do think there's a chance, like, they could maybe sneak into being, like, the third best team in the East. I, I don't think they're better think than Philly. without Kevin Durant. Without Kevin. I, I like this team. I really like their three guards. I kind of I, – I was going to wait to give you this take to league pass rating, but I sort of think they're, like, a, a poor man's group of, like, this year's Warriors, where it's, like – Interesting. They're, they're going to run a ton of ball screens. They they grab some. They have athletic bigs, and then they have like three guards that are just going to score a shitload of points. Um, hmm, that's optimistic. <laughs> More optimistic than I had thought. I agree with you on. There's two Nets teams to me. Like there's the Nets with Kevin Durant, and th- and there's some talk that he might be able to come back from the playoffs, and that would change their ceiling. Of course, he won't. I don't think he'll do that. Given what we've heard him say of late, I, I just can't see it. Well, so the team, I agree with you. If healthy Kevin Durant on the Nets, I would probably pick them to win the title. And that's, I'm a little biased. I love Kevin Durant. I think he's the best player. But then, they, but if you're saying that, like, and I agree with you, like they have, they have the best player or one of the best three players. Kyrie is absolutely like a top 15-ish player, you know, kind of draw your own conclusions. And then they have like a bunch of other, like, like they have a bench scorer in Dinwiddie, a guy who can run the second unit. They have Levert as like a very good third scorer. They have... Jared Allen should be getting a lot better defensively. DeAndre Jordan is not a corpse. Like, he can help you. Not a, I don't like the salary. And then they have, like, you know, Joe Harris, really good shooter. Theo Pinson can play a lot of roles. Garrett Temple, like, veteran shooter and defender. Like, they have guys filling a lot of specific roles, which I think is really good. Yeah, and, and if you're making the, the optimistic argument, and I say there's two teams. There's the, sort of the Kevin Durant title team roster that, that they have, and they could even get better by next year if they add another piece. And then there's this sort of current team, which to me just feels like last year's Nets, which is fine. You know, they won what forty two games, and then they you, do feel they do feel very much like that, where like they're going to go in the first round and give somebody like a scare, but they're not good enough to win a first round series. But I would say like it's it's basically the same team as last year, Kyrie in, Russell out, and some people think like oh you know sort of a slight upgrade. I'm like I think it's a considerable upgrade. Like I think Kyrie is like a more efficient score than him. I mean, defensively, he's rated a little better last year. I don't know if I trust that, but he's just cons- like D'Angelo Russell had one, his first good year last year. And it was still like below league average efficiency. Like Kyrie has been a better scorer for his entire career. Kyrie as a 19 and 20 year old, when he was playing on bad Cavs teams had better true shooting than Russell last year. Like and he had one of his best years in the regular season last year, Kyrie Irving. Like, he is a fringe top 10 player. He's really good. He's really, really good. The, uh, honestly, one of the biggest differences between him and I would, I, I would just throw Damian Lillard out there is like Dame is a, a little bit better as a scorer. Kyrie's probably not the leader, obviously, that Dame is. I think that's pretty clear. But I mean, the difference is Dame has had some like very big moments, and it feels like we've forgotten about Kyrie like in 2016, like making a three to basically win game seven. And all of a sudden, I think all the off court stuff that kind of followed him around in Boston about how like the locker room didn't like him, we, we've lost the fact that like this guy is considered to be like, if not, you know, he's not Harden and Steph Curry, but he's like in that next tier for sure. And he was awesome last year. And that's why I said like their best case scenario is that 
you know, he plays like he did last year and these guys really gel and then they win 50 games. And I think they finished second in this division. I think that's the best case scenario and they have a chance to. Well, and that's the other point I was going to make is like, so Kyrie is an upgrade to whatever degree you want. And then Karis Levert only played 40 games last year. So if you, if he's healthy, like he, you know, I think he's a little overrated personally, but um, he's at least another option, you know, and they're going to have like three scores in the backcourt. Uh, so you're taking two upgrades, you know, Levert's health and Kyrie being an upgrade on a 42 win team. Like it's very natural to think they could win 45 games or more. Yeah. That's what, that's what I think. Like, I do feel like this is an over, like, I, I, and I feel not super confident, but I feel like, you know, 55, 45 or something like they win 47 games. I mean, I, like I said, I don't think this division is as good as everyone says. Like, I think there's a very solid chance the Raptors miss the playoffs. I think the Celtics hype is totally out of control. And we'll get to that in a second. But, like, I think the Celtics hype is way out of control. Well, let's get to that in a second. But, like, I think I, it's one of those. I wouldn't have bet the Knicks over under because I, I thought it was pretty close. I wouldn't bet this one just because it is close. I'm a big fan of Kyrie, but, you know he misses 10, 15 games a year so far historically. So I, I just hate betting on a team where I feel very reliant on, on a brittle guy. What, what's their worst case scenarios in? Cause it seems like, you know, a lot of I it's like, know, Hey, I, I don't know if it exists. Like say they win 35 games. I'd still feel pretty good about right They're that. They're playing the long game. You know what I mean? It's like, let's get all these pieces to fit together. And then you put Kyrie or you put KD in who fits with everybody. Not, you know, not personality wise, but just, like- I think the worst case is about Levert, let's say, cause last year he shot 31% from three. And so when I say he's a slightly overrated, I just mean that, you know, he was on effectively a bad team putting up numbers prior to last year. And so people thought he was like this young superstar. He can score. He can really he can score. score. He's, he can pass. He's injury prone though. And he's not a great shooter. So True. he's he plays not a very weird style. Yeah. And does that fit with two other stars? The poor bootleg uh, TJ Warren. How about that? And I thought, so he was going to be a free agent. So I'm like, I don't know if they're going to keep him. But then they signed a new extension, 16 million, 17 million, 18 million. Well, they, they've locked everybody that of substance other than Jared Allen, who obviously is coming up for contract. But everybody of substance on this team is locked in through Kevin Durant and Kyrie's deals. So, but that's the one thing. Like, if you talk about downside, who cares? You know, end of the day, if they lose in the first round or they miss the playoffs, it's not the end of the world. If Levert, doesn't fit and then maybe he's just a six man maybe or something and you, and you end up paying him 19 million dollars in the future then you might think oh that kind of they i don't know maybe they need to trade him or something if the roster doesn't feel like it's going to fit in some way that means more than the wins and losses yeah it's interesting because we won't really know how it looks because they'll, they'll close games a lot with you know Kyrie, dinwiddie Lavert, Jared Allen, and then obviously next year that'll be Durant or instead of Allen maybe DeAndre Jordan but this year we don't really get to see that so it'll be interesting to see how those guys fit. But how about this? Worst case scenario, Kyrie quits the team midseason <laughs> to start an art collective in Tribeca. Is that a possibility? Like, that's the thing. These personalities, Spencer Dinwiddie gets a ton of credit for, like, kind of, like, building this culture off the court. He seems like an awesome dude. Like, but Kyrie has had a very tough time in locker rooms. He and Kevin Durant are very interesting characters. How's that? Interesting. Is that diplomatic enough? What if they just don't gel with the team? I, I think they, they has they both it's I like their fit. Again, I'm a little bit of a Duran apologist, but like I like the sense that they these are two champions, you know, technically they both won rings that rare circumstance have a chip on their shoulder still. They still feel like they have something to prove. 
All right, bold predictions. What do you got for this team? Um, I'm going to say I one of my favorite players in the entire league, and I'm hoping he gets minutes because I think he could prove to be a contributor when they win the title in two years. Uh, Theo Pinson. I think his life is all around game. If he can shoot threes, even at 33%, I think he's a productive NBA player. I think he establishes himself as a true NBA rotation player. Okay. I got two. Uh, first one, Kyrie finishes top five in the NBA in scoring. I think this is going to be a monster year for him. I think he's got a ton of pieces around him to give him a ton of space. I think Kenny Atkinson's offensive scheme is better than Brad Stevens is. And I, so I think Kyrie's going to have a huge year. The other one I have, and I, I talked a lot of junk about Jared Allen and how like guys look at blocks. and They're like, oh, he's a good defender. And they watch it. It's like, God, he challenges guys to the rim. He blocked LeBron. He blocked Giannis. DeAndre Jordan is the original like Doc Rivers starts a campaign to like build up DeAndre Jordan because let's say he's the best defender in the NBA and DeAndre Jordan was always an okay defender. I think that happens this year and Jared Allen finishes in the top three for defensive player of the year. I think DeAndre and Kevin Durant and Kyrie and the Nets front office, all they do is talk about how amazing Jared Allen is. So he just buys into the role of like screen and dive big, screen and dive big, screen and dive big. Like, and I think he ends up getting a ton of hype for a defensive player of the year. And I don't end up ultimately thinking he's going to win it. And I don't think he'll even be one of the 10 best defenders in the league. But I think uh, uh, that's a good point. Like defensive awards in general are very reputation based, very narrative based. Um, I just saw Josh from Norman got roasted on Monday night. Like he, the fact that he was a big talker helped him get a lot of attention in Carolina. Apparently uh, he was really good. I had somebody was telling me this before. It's like now he's just not very good, Josh Norman. And he used to be really good. And it's like, oh, that sucks, you know, but I don't know because he talks a ton of crap. Um, so, okay. Those are good predictions. League pass, league pass rating. I think it's pretty high. I, I agree. Like Kyrie, we've talked about this before, but Kyrie Irving, love him or hate him off the court on the court. He's extremely entertaining, makes a lot of shots. Um, they have, they have three guys who are incredibly fun to watch in Dinwiddie, Levert and Kyrie. I gave him a B plus. I, I don't ultimately think they will be quite as good. Like, I don't think they'll be, like, beautiful to watch on offense. I think they'll be fun. But I do think, again, it's like Levert is an ISO guy. Like, Dinwiddie is more of a point guard than Kyrie, but, like, he's an ISO guy. So, you know, I think it's it's going to be – we might see this team be a little bit more like – I think, like I said, poor man's words is what I think. They're just going to run pick and roll every play. And I think it'll be fun. But I, I, like, B-plus, I think. And then with KD next year, if everything fits together, like, this team is very scary in my opinion. And I'm not totally ruling him out coming back just because – I don't know what the, they're, you know, feeding these athletes these days. You know? It's very important for KD to get another ring without the, like he's going to come back with a chip and be like, the Warriors didn't make me like I made them. So I, I could see it, I guess. Cause like, I'll be honest with you. Like even with like 75% of KD, like this team is definitely better than Philly. And I, and I think more, I think guys, we got to take a quick break to talk about RJ Bell's dream preview. Football season is here, and it's time to dominate the competition with your fantasy picks, and R.J. Bell's Dream Preview on Podcast One Sportsnet is your secret weapon to victory. Eagles or Packers, Titans or Falcons, Pats or Bills, no matter the matchup, R.J.'s got you handled with the top-notch analysis for the best NFL picks around. Download R.J. Bell's Dream Preview every week on Apple Podcasts and PodcastOne.com. And now, back to the Atlantic Division. Well, let's let's talk about who's the next team here. Tor- Toronto. Uh, okay. Last year, 58 and 24. Their over under on Bovada is 46 and a half. 
I'm just going to say it right now. This is a snap under for me. This number is ridiculous. Well, can I make the argument for, you know, the the only real roster changes losing Kawhi and Danny Green, right? Yeah, they, here, here's what we got. Uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson in, who I actually like. Stanley Johnson in, doesn't really make a ton of sense. Like Chris Boucher is a guy who has been awesome in the in the G League and like they've kind of tracked him for a while. I think he'll finally be a rotation piece. And then they drafted Terrence Davis and like that's pretty much it, you know. Like the, the, everything else is is pretty similar. So my kind of like shot at their starting lineup, and I, I don't really know. I, I think it's smarter to bring Ibaka off the bench as a five man, but I, I think they'll probably start him and it'll be like Kyle, Norman Powell, Siakam, Ibaka, and Gasol, and then their bench is like. Your boy, Fred Van Vliet, awesome. OG Ananubi's finally healthy. Rondé, Pat McCaw, Chris Boucher, Stanley Johnson, and Terrence Davis. Like, this is, this doesn't look like a playoff team to me. Well, can I give you the positive argument? The give it to me. Glass yeah, give it to me. Because you can argue against. And I'm not saying I, I'm not, I'm not saying I necessarily believe this, but, you know, there's this sort of perception that Kawhi Leonard, is somehow the best player in the NBA now because he led this, you know, average team to a to a title. Um, there's a few things wrong with that. Number one, like Toronto has been quite good lately, you know, the last four years. 56 wins, 51 wins, 59 wins previous year, and then 58 last year. So they actually won more games and their advanced stats were better prior to Kawhi Leonard. Um, so and they were at what were at like 15 and five without him. And remember, he only played sixty games last year. Right, so. and they were and they were top five in offense and defense in the regular season. Right, great coach. And I and I no, just noticed looking at Basketball Reference, you know, Nick Nurse. One of the things he's done is, is push their pace. You know, um, I guess this is per, per possessions or whatever. Like it went from ninety two, ninety two, ninety four, ninety seven, all the way up to a hundred last year. So they're pushing it. Um, yeah, they played slower. They played slower with Kawhi than they did without Kawhi. By the way, so. I'm not saying they're going to win 50 games for the fifth year in a row, but... They won 50 games five years in a row? Four years in a row. Fifth, wow. Years in a row. Yeah. Wow. And before that, 49 and 48. So this is a team that's won, beat this over under now six years in a row. So are we saying Kawhi Leonard, you're saying he's worth more than 13, 14 wins. That's your negative take. I think Kawhi and Danny Green, honestly. Right. I, I, the one thing I really, I, I really worry about with this team is that I think Siakam is awesome. I, I think like I was on the Siakam train at the beginning. Like I, I, I really like Pascal Siakam, but it's nice when you have a security blanket of like Kawhi Leonard to get you buckets and you have Danny Green to guard and like space the floor a little bit. And this team just feels, this roster feels really light. Like if Siakam doesn't come, become like a 25 point per game score, like where do they replace that production from? Like where are they getting 40 points a game from? Right. And, and that's like the negative. And I tend to agree with you on this front. Like, okay, you lose Kawhi Leonard, that's a blow. Um, and then Danny Green on top of it, it almost does feel like the straw that broke the camel's back because like their wing depth is just my, maybe the worst in the league. It's, it's really weird because I just don't think they have a... Like Siakam's going to be their primary scorer. And it's not that I don't believe in him in that role. I absolutely do. I think like, but for them to be as good as they need to be, like he needs to sort of become Kawhi Light, which I think is, I think it's possible. I don't necessarily see it happening this year. And that's the problem for me is like, I think Kyle's going to be tremendous. He always is. I, I think we saw last year how valuable Marcus Gasol is on a team, on a good team, but like they need something from, they need like one of like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who I actually very much like, but he's kind of, you know, maybe he's a better passing OG and a newbie or a, you know, a, a better defending Pascal Siakam. Like they, they, they sort of have all these guys who are a little bit flawed 
and they just need somebody to score. And it's not going to be Ibaka. It's likely not going to be Gasol. You know, Kyle will give you like 15 to 20 points a game. Norman Powell maybe give you 10. Van Vliet maybe gives you 10 to 15. And then you need like 25 from Siakam. I just don't know that I see all of that. Well, and look at the the wings I talk about. Like, Roto World list, Norman Powell starting. He's probably, he's an okay as like a seventh man, maybe. He, he was out of their rotation at certain times last year. Like, he only really got back in the rotation because uh, uh, OG, like, had the appendicitis. Yeah, and then small forward, they say OG, and then Stanley Johnson's listed next. And Stanley Johnson's been, you know, he's so offensively challenged. He's been one of the, like, the worst players per for a minute in the last few years. And so I do think OG and Anobi is the most important player here. And other people have always been really high on him. I, I'm not like, I'm not going to write him off because he's been hurt and he's talented, but he hasn't really proven anything. Isn't it also hard to write him specifically off just because of like what we've seen the Raptors player development staff do with Siakam? Siakam. No, and and, uh, totally. And, And, you know, the tools are there, but, you know, he sort of has this reputation as like this great defender and, there's nothing that I can see like statistically that backs that up. I mean, he averaged like, let me give you some stats. Like he's ESPN plus minus rates him as a negative one on defense, well below average raw stats, only 0.7 steals, 0.3 blocks in 20 minutes a game. So he's supposed to be this long arm stopper. I mean, he might become that, but it's, it's optimistic to think that it, it, the breakout is ready right now. Well, keep in mind, right, they drafted him coming off an ACL injury. And then in like a big moment last year, like he was hurt because of the appendicitis. And like we didn't get to see him in the playoffs where you get to actually like, you know, where more people watch him. So, you know, maybe he's been better on a night in and night out basis. I, I don't know, but it, it's hard. I think he is a, a very important. And like I said, I, I do think Rondé Hollis Jefferson is a good NBA player who's also had some injury issues. But again, like, all of these guys have just massive flaws and it's like they're trying to like put these guys together to build Kawhi and Danny Green and I just don't see it because this roster is pretty light on shooting. That's what, I, yeah, that like just the, the the perimeter and then I think they're going to end up playing Lowry and Van Fleet together more than you'd want just because they're the best, two of the five best players on the roster. Um, you know, it's, it's all point guards and sort of, you know, power forward centers now. I mean, it's like they just, I don't know if there's a move they can make necessarily because I don't know if they think they're close to the title anymore. You know, it might not, it might just be like, hey, we're, we'll find making the playoffs with 42 wins and, and calling it a day. Yeah, I don't, I think that's my bold prediction. Like, I think they're going to miss the playoffs because here's what I look at, right? We look at Masai, and I don't think Masai's in it to be like, hey, we want to win 43 games. So they have some interesting things. Like Mark Gasol makes $25 million this year, but that's an expiring contract. He's a valuable piece. Like we saw how good he can be in the playoffs. Like we saw him guard Embiid. We saw him like be a, a secondary playmaker for them. Like I, it would not stun me if Masai moves Mark Gasol again. Because I think you can get, you, you know, you can grab a pick. You can maybe get a young guy attached to it. Because again, guys need cap space. Now, it doesn't help that the free agency class stinks this year, but at the same time, like, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I think Marcus Hall is going to move. It's a bad combination of right now, shaky depth. You're reliant on, like, your top six guys. And then two of those guys, Kyle Lowry's 33, Marcus Hall's 34. So on top of... Aba- your we don't know depth. how old Ibaka is. Could be 45, but he's 33, right? 
No, I think he's listed at 30. No um, chance. Zero chance. <laughs> he's listed at 30. Um, but, you know. He's 30. Didn't they yeah. already find out he was like a year older than he claimed? <laughs> older, or two? Right. Man, it, I, it, maybe, maybe Sam Presti like just got hoodwinked into really feeling like, God, this Ibaka guy is 18 years old. He's already a freak and he's actually like 27. <laughs> All right. So like you could see this team winning between 35 and 45 games. I'll give, I love Nick nurse. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I think they're going to win. I think they'll make the playoffs and win, but it's more in that 42, 45 win range. How much better. Like, honestly, if you just look at this roster, right? Like taking coaching aside for a second. And I do think that's another thing. Like, I think the Raptors are going to be really good defensively. I think that's what they've doubled down on in the off season. It's like, Hey, we're going to struggle a little bit offensively. So we're going to have to really guard. And we saw them be really good last year when Kawhi maybe wasn't that good in the regular season. So my question, though, is if you put this roster on paper, eliminating Nick Nurse, put this roster on paper next to Orlando, next to Brooklyn, next to Detroit, is this team the best of those four? I don't think. I think their roster might be the worst of those four. And those are probably your five to eight range, you know, maybe your six to nine range in the East. No, I, you're right. I mean, if, if you take away their title last year, let's say they won't, lost in round two, you would think this is a prime team to blow it up. Regression, like, yeah, exactly. You know, is it like Oklahoma City, you know, Oklahoma City right now, does they, do they have a better roster than Toronto? I mean, does Masai move Kyle? Like, we know that Kyle's not always happy with him and the decisions he makes. Does, is that a guy that gets moved? Because I, like I said, there's no chance Masai's sitting there being like, we want to be the eighth or the seventh seed in the playoffs. Like, if this is going bad and they're tracking to like 43 wins – that dude might just blow everything up. But then would blow up for what? Like your one sort of young piece, depending on OG, is is Siakam. And so, and he's close to being in his prime now. So I think it so much depends on him. Like, hey, if he is an all NBA player, he's ready to take that step and carry this team. You know, then 45, 50 wins is possible. I, I do think he's awesome. And I think like in the playoffs, like we, we got to see them slow it down a little bit more. He had some on nights where he was amazing. He had some off nights. Like, I mean, he's a guy that like, he could take a jump to third team, all NBA. Like it could definitely well, he, he could potentially win most improved two years in a row. Cause just based on opportunity, um, his stats last year, just raw stats, 17 points, seven rebounds, three assists. Like, what do you think his totals are going to be this year with the ball in his hands more? Yeah. I, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see him be somewhere in the neighborhood of like 21, nine and five ish like i want to see him you know he he runs the floor like he gets the ball out of the rim like i mean i think that the raps have a bunch of guys that can do that like that's one thing the ronde was always awesome at like getting a rebound and like starting the break i think they have a bunch of guys that can do that i think they're gonna play really fast yeah i like that i mean if you're the plan is to build like a nick nurse fast sleek prowling panther team siakam actually fits it really well now you're now you're talking to me into a little bit more because like you can play marcus saw as a five is like your trail big like get right into like dribble handoffs on offense and like have guys on their heels like maybe maybe i should like the raptors i just i just think that their roster is just so light they're missing they're missing a piece yeah Kawhi leonard the best player in the nba But even Bradley Beal, you put Bradley Beal on this team, they could win 50 games. Yeah, but the other problem is too, and this, this is my problem with like the Raptors, and like you said, like they're blowing it up for what? And then we'll move on because we've, we've talked about the Raptors, but what are they trading? Like, what, what, they, they don't have anything. Like, if, if you're the Wizards, right, and you look at the Raptors, let's just use Bradley Beal for an example because we just love Bradley Beal. Like, are you making that deal for like, Mark Gasol, a first round pick and like a newbie? Like, no, like that's a terrible. Yeah, they, they sort of cashed in their young chips for, for Kawhi. And then 
OG, you know, people were really high on originally. I don't know if they still are. We'll see if he, if he starts pretty well, then he's immediately becomes a big asset. And, and that's why like a guy like Chris, like this is, this is the thing, right? Like we, like I was kind of stunned, but like you said it yourself, the Raptors have won 48, 49, and then 50, 50, 50, right? Fit, like, so six years of 48 plus wins, you're always drafting in the back of the draft. You know, you don't have a lot of assets. That's the thing, right? Like you, you, they're, they developed Siakam, like they traded, you know, DeRozan, who was a lottery pick for Kawhi Leonard, like they just don't have a ton of moves to make for, for stars. Cause like, I want to think like, Hey, could this team get Blake Griffin? And I would love to watch Nick nurse with Blake Griffin, but like, no, probably not. There's just no way unless Detroit wants out of the contract and they'll go Gasol and a pick for Blake Griffin straight up. But that seems absurd. Like I can't see that happening. Right. So like, how do they do that? Maybe they trade for Gallinari. Maybe that's the guy. Yeah. I just don't think they want to cash in. I, I think they sort of, you know, I think they won their title. You know, I don't want to say they like going to get fat and lazy, but they might for a year. They might physically be fat and lazy too with Lowry and yeah, I guess all. He looks good. I, I actually, somebody I know went to his, like he, he took the Larry O'Brien trophy to Philly and was like, somebody I know was actually there. And they said that, that Kyle's pretty motivated. So. Yeah, I think I think they'll make the playoffs. I'm unlike you, but I I would slight go under. I, I don't think I would bet it. But league pass rating, there's not all, unless Siakam becomes, you know, LeBron James or something. Like I I just don't see a real interest in watching this team in the regular season. I got him as a C plus for that reason. Like they're gonna, I think they're gonna be very good defensively. I think they're gonna play pretty fast. But again, like I, I think they're really light off. I think there's gonna be some games where they score like 88 points, and you're like, holy crap, this team stinks. But all right. This Boston Celtics, the second to last team in this division. Last year, 49 and 33. This year, their over-under on Bovada is right at 49 and a half. And I got to tell you, I love this under. I love it. What is it, 45? 49 and a oh, half. Oh, 49. Okay. Wow. I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of this under. I think a lot of people were just like, hey, Kyrie stinks, and he tore the team away. We got rid of Terry Rozier. Like, they – all their outgoing guys, like, I don't know that they did anything better. So – Kemba Walker in. We both really like Kemba, but he is not as good as Kyrie. Like, that's very clear. Marcus Smart still there, I'm guessing, is going to be their second guard. Jason Tatum, everybody loves, you know, Jalen Brown at the four. And then, like, Enos Cantor will start at the five. And then their bench, a lot of young guys, obviously. They draft Carson Edwards. Still have Gordon Hayward, who I think will take a jump forward to being closer to the guy we thought before. My guy, Romeo Langford, I doubt plays a lot this year, but I think he is a very good player. Semio Jaley, they drafted Grant Williams. They still have Robert Williams, the Time Lord, and then Daniel Tice. I don't love the Celtics. Like, yeah, you've been teasing that, and you unload on why you think they're overhyped again. I, I guess their best case scenario is like they win the East, right? Like, and it's possible that a lot of it was Kyrie, and like he just didn't, you know, he wasn't good in the locker room. But like they lose out, they they lost their two best players. Like that's the bottom line. Like I don't care what anyone says. Like Kyrie and Al Horford were their two best players. Al Horford was their best defender. It's fine to turn it over to the young guys, but like this team is going to struggle on offense. Like I don't, I just don't see it. I don't understand how people look at getting rid of an awesomely efficient score and another efficient big man, and then replacing them with two worse versions, and then just being like, "Hey, the locker room is going to be better." It just doesn't work. Yeah, I, I don't uh, buy the the locker room argument. Um, and I don't. I actually like the Celtics more than you, but I don't even think their best case scenario is winning the East. I, I just don't think that's realistic, even as a upside because like this is a team that lost to milwaukee last year four to one and i think they weren't in the series like people said like hey they were in it like a couple games swung like no they got blown off the court at the end of the series and i don't see any argument that they're measurably better than last year so i I don't see them you know 
winning more than two games against a team like Milwaukee. But that said, they I could see them returning to the second round. Well, the one big trump card they had, I thought, sorry to cut you off, like the one big trump card was that like Horford was a really good positional defender against the Sixers. Like he could guard Embiid a little bit, like he could guard a lot of different players. And you're replacing that guy who I think Al Horford is overrated. Like the SI 100 rated Al Horford, the 18th best player in the league. Get out of here. Like we'll get to Al Horford in a second, but like, there's no way Al Horford is better than Blake Griffin. Like that's absurd. Okay. It's absurd. He's too old. He doesn't move. He, he plays 50 games a year. Like he's just not, but in the playoffs, Al Horford's a good defender and he, he makes you hard to game plan for. And you're replacing that guy with the combination of Enos Cantor, Grant Williams, the time Lord and Daniel Tice. And you lose Aaron Baines. I ain't buying it, man. I'm just not. Well, you know, that's what my skepticism, because I actually like Tatum more than you. I do think he can take a step, you know, long awaited step up. I think Gordon Haywood should be better. And I, I also agree with that. Um, so it's sort of like Toronto to me, like Toronto's Achilles heel was like very obvious. Like they, they need shooting guards and, and small forwards and wings. Um, Boston like has a quite a big hole right now inside. Um, Cantor is, you know, good hands, good score, arguably the worst defender at center. I mean, and they don't, and they don't have a guy as good as like, I, I understand that Enos Cantor has played big roles in playoff series before, but look at the two times he's done that Zan, like, Oklahoma City, he had Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, and then in Portland, like he had Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum. Like the the I don't I'm sorry, Celtics fans. Like Kemba and Jason Tatum are not as good as Damian Lillard. Like it's they're just not. And Kemba's a good NBA player. He's a really good NBA player, and I'm excited to see him like under the bright lights. But it's like they don't have the horses, I think, to overcome their inside presence this year. In, unless, like I said, and I, I mean, Dan, Robert Williams, I think they really like, and I think he's going to be, that was one of my bold predictions is he ends up playing major minutes in the playoffs. Right. Well, that, that's key. Cause like, this is my concern about the center position, like Horford for maybe he's overrated or not. ESPN real plus minus again to overrely on them graded him plus two and a point seven defensive impact per hundred possessions. Very good. Mo- it rates most big guys pretty well. Um, with the exception of somebody like Enos Cantor, negative 1.5, ranked 69th among 70 centers. So you go from a, it's it's not even that like he's bad as defense. It's like you go from a good defender to a bad defender. It's like a double downgrade in a way. Yeah, and like maybe he'll be better. Like, like you said, let's just assume they play the Sixers, right? In the second round or something like because I, I, they're a playoff team. Don't get me wrong. Like they're a playoff team. I just really like the Thunder. Like this strikes me as like a forty-three win team. But Cantor maybe gets to guard him in the post, and that's better. But like you should just pick and roll Enos Cantor to death. Like they, you have no chance. They have zero chance against Milwaukee, like you said. So like if he plays a ton of minutes, and I and I think like that's the problem. Like they wanted to get better on offense because I think everyone thinks like Brad Stevens is this great defensive coach, and they do have a ton of wings who can guard. Like Marcus Smart is a very good defender. Gordon Hayward should be better. Tatum is a, an average to good defender. Jalen Brown's a good defender. Semi's a good defender. Grant Williams should be pretty good. Like, but you can't just punt two spots. They're going to punt the point guard spot and they're going to punt the five man spot as a, that we know of right now. Unless Daniel Tice or Robert Williams plays a ton more minutes than we right. think. Well, and that's the other compounding problem is that Cantor struggles defensively. I mean, he's a good like platoon center in a way. Offense, defense. Yeah, eighteen to twenty minutes a game. Like you can't, he can't kill you in the playoffs. He might kill you though. It could right. happen. But like they just don't. You know, I guess it depends. Like you talk about OG and Anobi being like the key to Toronto. Like maybe it's Robert Williams for Boston because if he is like the complementary defense 
guy, then then they'll be fine. If not, they don't really have a reliable backup center, and they don't have like a power forward who could play small ball center either. Unless you think Grant Williams, maybe. I think they'll try. I think they'll definitely try. They have an interesting, you know. I think they have an interesting going all wings. Like, because could, could you see them just going like, let's just play our five best guys? Well, how good can this team be if Jason Tatum is? What, let's let's use Jason Tatum's like biggest comparison, right? Like, let's say Jason Tatum is Kobe Bryant. How good is this team? If he's Kobe Bryant, yeah, correct. If he's a incredibly high usage, like decently efficient mid-range scorer how good is this i think this team would be like the conference finals okay so even if jason tatum becomes an all nba player this and and i don't see that type of jump for him this year maybe maybe in the future but i just kemba's going to be their best player i I think in in theory kemba's going to be their best player and uh and even if gordon hayward takes a jump like this team should be pretty good i just don't see the ceiling that people see on this team I just, they're not winning the NBA title. There's no, there. No, I, I don't think anyone's really thinking that anymore. I, if you want to look at positives, I really like their rookie class too. I mean, you know, relatively, you, you talked about Romeo Langford as a potential scorer, Grant Williams, sort of an underrated, he's just good at basketball. And Carson Edwards, if he can play in the, at the NBA level, it like lights it up. That's my, that's my other bold prediction. He makes some all rookie team, like first or second team. He's too good. Like, He's he's too good off the bounce. He's too good off screens. Like he he's so easy to integrate in an offense that needs scoring. He can play next to Marcus Smart. It'll be hard to play him with Kemba just because, you know, you're really little in the backcourt at that point. But I think Carson Edwards has a big year for them. I, I really like Carson Edwards. I, I think by the end of the year he's gonna play a major, major amount of minutes. Yeah. So like I like their depth. Um, it's just like it's all clumped together. Like maybe there's a move to make. Like I don't necessarily love the idea of investing heavily at the center position but like could they add you know like a serge abaca like what would their ceiling marcus saul probably it makes yeah, more marcus sense saul, there you go like if you add marcus saul to this team too i think they ha- might have enough balance to win two rounds right and like would you trade romeo and like a weird contract for marcus saul Pro- probably you would I think. well you know it does kind of make sense because romeo langford is the kind of score at the wing that Maybe Toronto needs. Yeah, yeah if he can shoot. And, you know, he's kind of like a poor man's RJ Barrett. Like maybe, but maybe. Easy. All right. Worst case scenario, I just want to throw this take in here, right? This team strikes me a little bit like the Joe Johnson, like Brooklyn Nets, where like everyone's really high on all their pieces, like individually, and then you put them together and they just win like 42 to 50 games a year, right? And my question is, given the fan expectations with this team, is the worst case scenario that like, Coach K retires or Bill Self gets fired and Brad Stevens just goes back to college and all of a sudden you have this like third to fifth like place NBA team without, you know, this amazing coach that everybody thinks they have. Is that the worst case scenario? Because like I said, I just don't, I don't see 50 wins here. You keep talking about these expectations. Like, I haven't heard any, even Celtics fans like talk about. No, Celtics fans love this team because people love Jason Tatum. I think the worst case scenario is... They're over is 50 wins, Zane. Yeah, that's no. really good. Like, that's a lot of wins. Now, they'll go. I mean, I think, you know, 45, 46, 47 wins is, is more likely. I think the worst case scenario is, let's say, you know, Campbell Walker is, is an interesting player because he, you know, in some ways he was in a tough situation in Charlotte as the only star. If you only got, you know, playmaker, you know, whatever, everything. Do it all. But... In terms of his own statistics, that's a great situation to be a 25-point 
per game scorer. Um, if he's not like a true all-star and he's just like a good starter, then then you're you're paying him 32, 34, 36, 37 million dollars. And he is how old is he now? Not super old. He was in college when I was in college, so he's got to be 29. Yeah, but you're going to be paying him 35 million dollars when he's 33. Yeah, I don't like I don't, I don't love it. I thought Charlotte made the right decision to let him walk. I just thought the other decisions they made were really bad. You know, it's like same with Gordon Award, you know, big, giving him big money. Like it's like that Independence Day quote. That deal was good, honestly. It was a three-year deal. They can get out from under it. The guy snapped his leg in half. Come on. <laughs> they should have projected that. Brittle. Yeah, exactly. Go with your Independence Day quote before we go to the league pass and the Sixers. What do you got? Bill Pullman, what do you got? Oh, yeah, I have to Google it even. Oh, my God. This is two weeks in a row you've brought up Independence Day. I can't imagine if you just like, oh, watched really? it. Yeah. <laughs> Harvesters, if you will. The harvesters. Well, uh, do you want me to butcher the quote or do you want me to find the actual just, quote? Just paraphrase the quote. But it was, he's talking about the dinosaurs, creation of dinosaurs. And he said, we kept asking it if we could, and we never asked if we should. And I do think, hey, you know, landing Kemba Walker for $35, $40 million a year, can we do it? Can we do it? Like, should we do it? Is he worth this much at, you know, as he ages? And he's been healthy so far. And, and he's a good kid and all that, but well, to play devil's advocate, I think at the time they thought they were re-signing Al Horford, right? And I think that leaves and and again, I'm not I am lower on Al Horford than the masses. I think in terms, like I said, when I saw him rated as a top twenty NBA player, I was like, Ooh, we might need to pump the brakes, like because he is very good, but he also doesn't play a ton. But I think this team with Al Horford instead of Enos Cantor is quite good. Quite and good. and I don't mean to like uh, s word on uh, Kemba Walker because I think you know if he was on the Lakers right now as the third option they would win the NBA title so I, I think if he's your best player if he's your lead scorer I think your when your ceiling might be limited and so I think they need Tatum to be better than Kemba Walker for this team to really get where they want to go and I don't know if he will I don't know it's hard to say yeah, that's uh, that's true. All right, league pass rating. I actually think this team has a, a, an interesting collection of guys, young guys I want to see. I think Kemba's a lot of fun. I rated him as a B plus. Like I think it's a team that I'll watch. They'll be on TV a ton, so we might get tired of watching them. But I think, like I said, I think they're gonna. I don't think Brad Stevens is in danger of losing his job. I think if they underachieve this year to like forty four wins, I think there'll be some whispers. I think that, but I don't think he's in danger. <laughs> I think he's got a yeah. I think it would be next year. I think that would be the problem. Yeah. All right. Last team. Everybody loves them. Philadelphia 76ers. They were. <laughs> You're so angry today. You hate everybody. 50, I just think this division's really overrated. Uh, 51 and 31 last year. Their over under on Bovada is 54.5. That is second in the East behind the Milwaukee Bucks. Really interesting offseason for them. Obviously, Horford, they, Horford is in. They trade Jimmy Butler. They, they pick up Josh Richardson in the Jimmy Butler deal. So, my first crack at their starting lineup, I'm, I'm guessing this is the thing, Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias, Al Horford, and Embiid, right? Even though maybe it makes more sense to bring Horford off the bench, I think, but I don't know. Well, yeah, I'm surprised you struggle with that because that's the big thing with this team is like they have five good players. It's ridiculous. Their starting lineup is awesome. It's likely the best in the NBA. I think it's probably not even very close. Their bench, let's talk about their bench for a second. I mean – just in terms of like, I thought they couldn't do worse at backup point guard than TJ McConnell. And then like they're, they're now at like 
Trey Burke and Raul Nito. And I actually don't – I like Raul Nito, but I don't know how much he'll play. Trey Burke is just terrible. Uh, they love Zaire Smith. We don't really know how good he is. They drafted Matisse Tibble, not somebody I was high on, but I think a guy that's going to have to play. Still have James Ennis. Then they have Mike Scott, Jonah Bolden, Furkan Korkmaz, and Kyle O'Quinn. So they got some guys that I like. They have – they got smaller, I thought, which was better, right? They, they, their biggest thing is, like, they've always struggled with Embiid off the court. But I think now they have Kylo Quinn can play small ball five. They could play Jonah Bolden at small ball five. You know, they could play Mike Scott, even though it's really hard to get stops with him in the game playing major minutes. But, I mean, the biggest thing is, like, how do they manage the 15-ish minutes a game that, like, Embiid is not on the court? Because that's been the biggest thing with them, right? So what do you think? They're clearly their best-case scenario is they win the title. Yeah, they could – they could win the title. Maybe. I don't, you don't know. think so either. I also don't. <laughs> I don't I know. I don't think so. I don't think they can win the title. I, but I'll tell you, they, they would be, you know, I think legitimate um, finals contenders to make the finals for sure. I don't know that this team can beat Milwaukee. That's actually my biggest hang up for them. Yeah. But, you know, the, the concern is twofold. Like we touched on for one, um, the depth is a major issue. And, um, we can talk more about that, but even last year, like, you know, there's a sort of perception that they were so close to, you know, last year, they almost beat Toronto. Um, you look a little deeper into the numbers there. They won 51 games. Their expected win differential, you know, win total was 48 only because their point differential wasn't very good. So, um, you know, their defensive rating was 15th last year. So like, was this team really that great last year? And did they get much better? I mean, Embiid obviously got hurt, you know, later in the year and didn't play as much. Like, but at the same time, would you, if you had to take over under, he played sixty four games last year. Is that sort of what is expected? Almost. I mean, that's that. Like, that's the thing with this team, right? And I think, like, like you said exactly, they they lose on the Kawhi Leonard shot in Game Seven of the NBA Finals, and everyone's saying, like, man, the Sixers were really close. Like Game Four, like they were up two one and had a chance to win Game Four and didn't do it. Right? Kawhi made that big three. Here's the problem. The Raptors shot all-time bad that series. That was probably a combination of the Sixers being very good defensively, which they all, which they were in the playoffs. They were really good defensively when they played their starting lineup more together. But, like, I don't think the, the – the Sixers, to me, I don't think they were as close to winning the title as people think. People were like, oh, they lost in seven to the eventual NBA title, like NBA champion. Great. I don't think this team had a prayer of beating Milwaukee because they couldn't play that fast, and Embiid was like – you know, he had like the sniffles and then he had like the bubble guts and like then he missed a game. And it's like, look, man, at some point, the Sixers are going to have to make a decision. We've talked about this a lot. They were good last year. It's great. I, I agree with you. I don't think this team can win the NBA title. I don't think they were quite as good as they looked in that series against Toronto. I think that was a very good matchup for them. I think they are going to really, really struggle to try to mount a lineup where they can play like somebody like 38 to 40 minutes a game because like by the end of the year, Embiid's just run down, and then that's the only offense they really run. Jimmy Butler literally saved their playoffs last year, Zan. And I don't even love Jimmy Butler, but like they ran so much pick and roll for Jimmy Butler, and Ben Simmons was like uh, the foreman just chilling in the dunker spot. I I don't love, love Jimmy Butler either, but you talk about being your third guy, your fourth guy. He's overqualified. And he was like their second guy. He was honestly like he initiated their offense in the playoffs because like Embiid – was awesome defensively. And again, this this starting lineup will be the best in the NBA. They'll be the best defensively in the NBA for sure. But like, he wasn't great on offense last year either. Well, but you're saying, like, that's the key point. Jimmy Butler, you know, maybe he's like a, you know, B plus, A minus offensive player. He can run an offense. And 
JJ Redick, who you're losing, you can run an offense through JJ Redick too, just because he's such a good shooter. So now you you go for to guys like Josh Richardson and Al Horford, who are good players, but not necessarily like lead playmaking players. So like your versatility in terms of your lineups is sort of limited too, because like really limited, yeah, really limited. Like even if you wanted to adjust the bench, like I I agree with you, like Al Horford, if you say, hey, look, we're gonna use you. Um, off the bench or we're going to use you to spot Joel Embiid and give him 30 games off and we can, you know, lock you in at the center for those minutes. He's not really like going to run an offense off the bench. Josh Richardson, same. Tobias Harris, theoretically, would be a great six-man scorer, but like you just don't have enough depth to do that. So I think it really comes down to, you know, talk about the key to the team is Zaire Smith, who's, you know, was injured last year. We don't really know what he has. If he can be a good six man for them, then the ceiling of this team in the regular season is much different. And I, and I think like this is where we talk about analytics and both of us are very like pro analytics and analytics forward in terms of how we do research. But like 538 loves the Sixers. And I think the issue with looking at 538's projection is like they're just assuming that this starting lineup is going to play a ton of minutes. And I just betting on Embiid to play 65 games is a fool's errand. That's just stupid. Like it's just it, it's it's not that he can't do it. But it's like if he plays 65 games, can he then also turn around and win 16 games in the playoffs? Probably not. And and my thing is like, I think we're getting very close to Embiid and Simmons eventually just clash. Like, I, I think we're getting there. And I think as the expectations get higher, I think what happened in the playoffs last year was not a good thing because Simmons was very bad. Like, he was not a good player. And I think that they need to figure out a way like, look, we just paid this guy $150 million and Embiid's contract is almost up. To me, as good as Joel Embiid is, and you know there are very few people that like Joel Embiid as much as I do, especially as a defender. I think he's the best defender in the NBA. I ultimately think their path to winning is to get rid of Joel Embiid, and I think that's their worst-case scenario. These two guys clash. Maybe Embiid only plays 50-ish games. Simmons is awesome with Embiid out. And finally somebody looks up and it's like, holy crap, man, like this just isn't going to work. And how many more years of Ben Simmons do we have if this doesn't work, especially knowing that he's repped by clutch. He's watching all these guys kind of take their own situations into their hands. Maybe this guy doesn't want to play with Joel Embiid anymore. And I think that's probably, they could still win 50 games with both the guys. Obviously I think that's totally within their you know, realm of possibility, but like, can they win a title with both guys? I don't. I just don't think so. And I think the Sixers need to pay attention and be like, look, which guy are we going to build around? And yes, Embiid is important to the process. He's important to who we are. The fans love him. But like, ultimately, like he was a joke in the Raptors series. Like every game, it was like, is he going to play? Like, what's wrong with him? Like his body's not right. He's out of shape. He's sick. Like he's amazing when he plays, but like he's unreliable. Sam, it's just it's at this point, it's like, are we really going to keep marginalizing Ben Simmons, who might ultimately be a top ten, top five player in the NBA? to cater to Embiid, I just don't think that's the right way to look at it. Well, I agree with you in this sense. Like, and right now, Embiid's a better player than Ben Simmons. Embiid's probably better than, what? he's probably like, what, the seventh or eighth best player in the NBA? Like, I think it's really... I, I, I just think, I mean, when healthy. I mean, I, I think that's such a big caveat, though. Um, and I think that influences the decision. So if you had to pick sides in the divorce, would you rather live with mom or dad? You, you you have to say, look, Ben Simmons is 23, like looks like he's built to last for 10 years. Whereas Embiid, I don't know how many years you can count on him to play at this level. So you'd have to lean towards Ben Simmons. And, and then to your point, 
mold the team around him and make it almost like a Giannis situation where you surround him with with shooting and space and, and you it's it's a different kind of team, but it's a team that you understand and it, it makes sense. Well, the blueprint to win around that guy exists. Like, name the last like high usage five man that won an NBA title. It's Shaq. Uh, yeah, I, and I I think it's, it's fifteen possible years to... ago at this point, right? That was two thousand six, and even then, Shaq wasn't the best player on that Heat team. Dwayne Wade was very clearly the best player on that iteration of the Heat. So, like, now we're going back to what, like. 2001 because even Tim Duncan is not the same as Embiid you know what I mean like Duncan spaced the floor like he's a better passer than Embiid like you know I I don't know I, no, I, I don't know about that like I, I do think the the thing that I, I I'm less inclined to believe that you can't win with a big center high usage center because I think those are good examples and, and he could be Tim Duncan um or late but the Spurs the Spurs went well Tim Duncan like in the recent Spurs wins was not the Tim Duncan in 2004 you know what i mean like he wasn't a high usage guy at that point right well you know Embiid should should he scored 27 points a game if if you get him down to like 24 and 12 a night you know he shoots a lot of threes he sh- he shoots 30% from 3 maybe and he, he turns the ball over a ton yeah i mean he he should he maybe switch his role slightly but i'm fine with a superstar center if i if i thought he would play at this level for 80 games a year, I'm fine with it. I, I just think it's more of a health issue. I don't, it's a sort of a um, reliability issue. And, you know, he, Brian is, Colan- he is very unreliable. He is very unreliable. Well, and Brian Colangelo, you know, who's sort of hated and vilified for like leaking stuff on Twitter or whatever. He didn't seem to like the attitude and the work ethic of Joel Embiid. And you might think, oh, he's a douchebag. He's got big collars, whatever. Doesn't mean what he said was untrue. And it, it probably wasn't the only guy in the building to feel that way. So, I, and he loved Ben Simmons, according to, you know, the tweets or whatever. Yeah, I think they're, they are painted into a little corner just because of their situation and, and what Embiid kind of like means to the city and everything. I don't know that they have a, a huge choice in the matter. My thing would be, like I said, if Embiid goes down earlier, they start slow and Embiid like doesn't play as much. And Ben Simmons is awesome with Al Horford and, you know, Tobias and Josh Richardson and, you know, James Ennis, whatever. How do you look yourself in the eye and say like, damn, like with Embiid, like we can really make this happen when it's like, why are we marginalizing one guy for the other? Well, and maybe late stage sack, you know, you mentioned him, you know, he has some good regular seasons for Miami. And then in the playoffs became, it became Dwayne Wade's team. He he probably should have won the MVP. I think Steve Nash's first MVP. I think Shaq probably had a very uh, strong case in that season. I don't know if it was 2005, maybe. Maybe that's, maybe that's how you do it in the, in the playoffs and be in the playoffs last two years, shot 43% from the field both years. So I don't know if it's a health issue, maybe tougher defense or whatever, but like he, he's not going to be dominated his way through the playoffs, but I don't mind him as a second option in the playoffs. If, if you know, I just, I worry about the Simmons personality fit. I really do because again, he's, he is very sort of quiet, if you will, but you know, when he's forced Simmering, to talk, you're saying, yeah, I do. I worry about it, you know, and I worry about people finally being like, look, man, I'm tired of playing with a guy who just wants to act like a clown all the time because I, I think that doesn't end up mattering. And, and again, like Embiid is so good, but also like they just have a weird fit of guys. Like they need shooting in the worst way. Like we, we talked about this, right? Like Jimmy Butler could get you a bucket when you needed it. He's not an amazing pick and roll player. I, I wouldn't even argue that he's one of the 10 best, but he is good enough. JJ Redick was so important to like gravity and space and they have nobody fixing that role. So what I think happened is like, they were like, well, we need to fix when Embiid's off the court. We need to get smaller. We need to get sleeker. Like we need to make sure we don't just crater. 
And so they go get Kyle O'Quinn, who I like. Jonah Bolden, they're very high on. Like, they like Mike Scott for shooting. And then all of a sudden, they just forgot about the fact that their offense also cratered when J.J. Redick was off. Yeah. Missing J- well, missing J.J. Hurts, I think that's also, why they I traded Markel Fultz for nothing, by the way. We just need to say <laughs> that. They traded Markel Fultz for absolutely nothing. Zaire Smith's very important. I like Shake Milton um, as a shooter. I, I don't know if he's a creator. But I don't know I, if they believe in him, though. He's a two-way guy again. Like, it just feels like they don't want to, like, turn it over to him. I also really like Josh Richardson. Like, I don't love Tobias Harris. I think he's way overpaid, but they had to do it. But I really I, I like Josh Richardson. Know about that. Josh Richardson, talk about, like, great investments. I, I'm looking at their cap sheet right now. Josh Richardson on the books for $10 million, $11 million, then a player option, so he'll get out of there. Conversely, Tobias Harris, 32 million, 34 million, 36 million, 37 million, and then last year, 39 million. How many years left on JoJo's deal? They're all, all the, aside from Josh Richardson, and he's the shortest term guy, two years. Ben Simmons is locked up for five years. Tobias Harris, five years. Horford, four years. That's a bad, the last year of that contract is miserable. Yeah, it could be the last two years, Brad. And then Joel Embiid, the same thing you could apply if he gets hurt, four year contract. So this, the sort of starting lineup. And Beat still has four years left on his deal. I thought he had like two and an option or something. I forgot they signed him to like a very kooky deal. I, I don't know. You know, like they I said, the Sixers are the sixth guy. They're the second best team. They're the second best team in the East. But like, again, there is some potential for this to go really bad. My bold predictions, I already gave the one, like Brett Brown, not the coach of the Sixers next year. I don't know if he just like goes somewhere else or he just washes his hands or he gets fired, but I don't see it. This is The expectations became too high too quick. Say Brett Brown got fired and they come to you, say, will you coach these Sixers? Is this a job you'd be excited about or you think it's sort of like peaked? No, I think, yeah, that's possible. It might have peaked. I mean, I think you have to take it, obviously. I think like Embiid and Simmons together, you got to love it. Uh, but I, I, there's some real issues. Elton Brand in the front office too. Like, I don't know that people are super excited about EB and, and Brown has had a lot to say with the team. That's why I kind of think if they end up firing it, it'll just be like Josh Harris and, you know, uh, I can't remember the guy's first. I wanted to say Wolf Blitzer. That's that's not right. He's on TV, but the other guy's last name is Blitzer. Like those guys have been very patient, I think, with Brett Brown. And now I think that in true Philly fashion, like they're going to get impatient when they probably should be a tiny bit more patient. Well, you know what's interesting? I, I not to dwell too much on this, but Matisse Tybal drafted with the twentieth pick, allegedly a great defender, kind of a train wreck on offense. I don't know if that's the guy you want next to Ben Simmons, but. The two picks after him, Brandon Clark and Grant Williams. Could those guys have started, you know, if Horford was you know, off the bench? Um, you know, even a guy like Kelvin Johnson, I like as a shooter. I, I, you know, Tybal picks interesting because he's a senior, you know, sort of like a... Is, is that the kind of guy that fits on this team? Unless your plan is just to like choke people defensively and score just 70 points. I think that is going to be their plan. Cause I think that's going to, they're going to have to play that way in the playoffs, especially like, look, we saw all these videos of Ben Simmons, like shooting fadeaways and being like, look at how great his form is. Like until we see Ben Simmons shooting with regularity in the playoffs, like I ain't buying it. I'm not the guy wouldn't even take a three last year or a mid range jumper. So like they couldn't post him up in the playoffs last year. Like I just, this is a failure of roster construction. I'm telling wow, you. Wow, that's bold for a team that's supposed to win 50 plus. They'll be fine in the regular season. They'll be fine. But I'm what would betting. What Henke have done? God, I don't know. Traded Embiid by now. I bet. I'm, I'm betting against the Sixers when it comes time. Like Bovada, take my money. Like I have no idea how this team wins against other good teams. And that's what I said. Like with this division being overrated. Like I think people are chalking them up for four playoff teams. Right? The playoff teams have to come from somewhere. 
maybe that's why I'm a little bit lower on Toronto because I, I do think their roster is not great. But like I said this to you before, other than Milwaukee, like I don't think the Sixers are the seven seed in the East. In the in the West. In the West. What did I say? The East. They're they're the two seed. But like there's a chance Indiana's better than this team. Like yeah, the theme of this podcast has been you being so negative about this division, but then you look at the East and you say The East sucks. Yeah. It's how many teams can beat Philadelphia besides Milwaukee? Indy. And I think that's maybe and maybe Brooklyn. Maybe Brooklyn. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I could see it, you know, if if they have a good if Kyrie gets hot or something like that, but I, right now, you'd think that you'd if you were just going chalk, you'd say Milwaukee beats Philadelphia to make the finals. I and I and I agree with that. I think I, I want to see how teams play, but like I like I said, we we talked about this before. Like if you ranked the best ten teams in the NBA, eight of them are coming from the Western Conference, hmm. and that's yeah. my point. In, in 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 judging these teams in a vacuum, I think everyone's like, oh my god, the Atlantic is so good and so exciting, and like I think all of these teams are very flawed. And they all have one hole, but you know what? On the that's, positive that's side, actually that's probably true. One hole is is fair, I think. Yeah. Some on the positive side, like you know, the playoffs aren't here, so they have time to figure it out. Like you know, and I don't that's know what we need. We need Brett Brown to do that this year. Like he needs to be better at like Steve Kerr needed to do it last year. Like try out your different lineups in the middle of the year, so you know what you're doing late in the season. You know, Brett Brown has not really done that. He's been like, oh, the starters don't work. What the hell am I going to do? And there's a lot of bad teams, and the Knicks might end up being one of them, where it's like. They're going to be bad and then start selling off pieces. And so a team like Philadelphia and, you know, Toronto and all these teams that have the hole, Boston included, like they need to snatch up the guy who could fill that hole. And, and there's going to, they're going to be out there. Yeah. All right. Last bold prediction. This one I'm the most confident in anything I've ever been. I got Zaire Smith wins the dunk contest at All-Star Weekend. Everyone thinks it's going to be Zion. Like people love Dennis Smith, like whatever. Derek Jones, wait till you see Zaire Smith because that guy's going to want to do the dunk contest. And then the other one I really like, and this is very bold, I think, uh, and this kind of is hindering on Ben Simmons or on Embiid getting hurt, but uh, Ben Simmons, second team All-NBA. I think he's going to have a big year. I'll give you two bold, but I agree with Zaire Smith. I don't know about the dunk contest, but I, he's being slept on and because he's been hurt and he is really the key to the team. I think he's just as good of a prospect as Jared Culver who went in the top 10 this year, same school. Um, my bold prediction, I'm always a little bit of an Embiid hater. I think in three years, he is out of his prime. And I think that's sort of the window for him, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that's why you trade for Jimmy Butler. That's why you go get Josh Richardson, whatever. Like, you just got to keep it open right now if you're building around Embiid. So, league pass rating, I mean, they're an A. I don't think it'll be super exciting to watch. But, you know, they're going to be on TV a lot. Embiid is great. You know, Simmons is, is fun. Like, they're going to shoot it. <laughs> And, and I think, it, you know, of course, they're going to be awesome defensively, by the way. Awesome. And also like, you know, as much as we hate on them, like if you tell me Embiid's going to play 80 games, I, would, I could build around him. If you tell me he could play 35 minutes a night, that's great because this starting lineup should be awesome. They'd be the best starting lineup in the NBA, probably. Maybe, maybe, maybe the clip, maybe the Clippers or clo- oh, let's just say closing lineup, starting lineup doesn't matter. But like maybe the Clippers are a better closing lineup than them. But other than that, like this team is. They got some dudes, man. All right, let's do it real quick. Your order of how this division finishes. Because I think this is the first time I think we've had a very different order. Oh, really? Because I think I, I'm, if you go against Philly at number one, I, I'd be curious. No, no, no. Philly, I agree. Philly's winning the division. Because uh, I'm going to be boring. I think the Phillies clearly on top. Knicks are clearly on the bottom. So it's about I the agree with. Teams. I agree with those two. I agree with those um, two. I would say Boston... 
kind of almost talked me into Brooklyn, but I'll go Toronto, Brooklyn. All right. I'm going to go Brooklyn, Boston, Toronto in that order. So Philly, Brooklyn, Boston, Toronto, Knicks is what I think. And I, but I think allow me to like, let's look for another week or two. And then let me decide if I think, if I think Toronto is going to make the playoffs. I don't know. I don't feel like, I don't feel, I just don't feel like Masai is going to try to make, be the eight seed. Uh, All right. That is it for us this it for us this week. We will be back next week, maybe with a special guest. Not sure what we're going to do now the divisions are over, but we well, will we're going to have an anniversary show at some point. Send in your favorite clips of the, our year on the show. Some of your memories, some of the fan letters, maybe proposals to Tyler. He is at Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter. Follow him for his political takes. Stay for his basketball takes. I am at CYS Tyler. Uh, episodes of Create Your Shot every Tuesday. If you're interested in hearing uh, about how college coaches or NBA coaches got to where they are now. Email our show, Gallison at gmail.com. And as always, we'll be back next week. And Zan, it's always a pleasure, buddy. Um, take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.